the last shot that we got. All right? We're going to run the picket fence at it. Now, boys, don't get caught watching the paint dry. All right. Welcome to the Picket Fence Podcast NBA Playoff Preview. On this edition, we will be discussing our playoff favorites, our sleeper picks, and what we think about the play-in tournament for this season. Derek and I will be discussing, possibly arguing, and looking at the upcoming NBA playoffs that seem to be wide open. So when we come back, we will be discussing all of that. Thank you for joining us on the Picket Fence Podcast. All right, Cam. Well, on this week's quick hitter episode of the Picket Fence Podcast, not to get lost in the alliteration there of the intro, um... SAT word, write that down, alliteration for those folks listening at home. Uh, We're going to give you just a little preview here as we get into NBA playoff season. Probably my favorite part of the basketball year outside of March Madness. Um, Love the NBA playoffs, and I think it's a a good time to have this discussion. Uh, We're going to get into just kind of our our playoff favorites. We'll talk about the play-in games, um, get into matchups that we like, what's intriguing, you know, what players have something to prove throughout the next couple of months here as the playoffs get into full swing. And maybe talk about our favorites, but also talk about some dark horses, you know, and some teams that sort of made a surprise run into the playoffs this year um, and maybe ready to make some noise. So, Cam, do you want to go ahead and start maybe Eastern Conference and look at it from that direction? Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I have to definitely agree, by the way, that – NBA playoffs, I think, are as, as fun as, as anything in the basketball season. And, and there, there's rumors of a midseason tournament coming as soon as next year. I'm curious to see how that's going to look. Um, but NBA playoffs are just so fun. And, and watching it from just as a fan and a coach, I think it's the best time of year to watch coaches make adjustments and really scheme. Mm-hmm. That, that's my favorite part of the whole thing. But yeah, to, without further ado, looking at the uh, upcoming, let's go pl- uh, play-in games. Um, so to start off in the play-in games, we've got – Toronto uh, against Chicago, the ninth and 10th seed, and Miami against Atlanta. Looking at those two matchups, it's pretty interesting because when you get into these playing games, you kind of have these middle of the road. I mean, like Atlanta finished 41 and 41. Like they were, um, I saw this thing on, on Twitter where they were, um, they were never more than one game above or below 500 all year. Like yeah. It was just back and forth, like as mediocre <clears throat> as you could be in terms of your record. Um, but looking at those two, those two play-in matchups, I really like Chicago, and I am gonna um, also say Atlanta, even though they kind of had that one. Um, it's hard to pick against Miami because of their, um, you know, just the, their experience and being there and Coach Bolster. But I like Atlanta just because I think they have the firepower to throw something down um, in one game. And then looking at Chicago and Toronto for the same reasons, I think, you know, I'm kind of picking against some of the best coaches here, and now I'm almost talking myself right. out of it but with Coach Bolster and Coach Nurse, but. I think I like Chicago and uh, Atlanta just because they both have that firepower, both the ability, I think, to get hot for one game. And I think if that's the case, then it looks like it's going to be over early, in my yeah. opinion. But in the Eastern Conference, I like Atlanta coming out of that one and, and uh, Chicago. How about you? Yeah, looking playing games, the 9 and 10, the 7 and the 8 games, I'm going to go opposite of you, not just for the sake of the argument, but I'm just going to go uh, I like Toronto and I like Miami. In that one specifically, just I feel like Miami's been a little bit more consistent. Um, not that 44 and 38 is that much better than 41 and 41, but it feels like Atlanta's just kind of ridden the roller coaster throughout this year. They've put together some really good stretches, and then they've also looked pretty weak in some stretches. Uh, and to me, Miami feels like they're a team that's got a little bit more to prove. Maybe in these playoffs, I think they've got a little bit more uh, talent, so to speak, and a little bit more depth. Um, and I, I just think that kind of takes over in that matchup. And to me, Miami advancing to the next round is a team that could, in theory, give Boston a pretty good series, whether it be for six games or even seven games. Uh, but I like Miami coming out of that matchup with Atlanta and then moving up into Toronto and Chicago. Uh, Toronto, to me, feels like the team that probably wins that one. Uh, I think... Chicago's again to kind of go with Atlanta. Chicago's just been very up and down. I know Toronto sits exactly at 500 at 41 and 41, uh, but I feel like Toronto has the best player in that series in OG Ananobi and a backcourt that can not only defend but also shoot the basketball. You know, you could argue that Chicago has the best player in DeMar DeRozan, uh, but to me, it comes down to 
again, kind of like the Miami Atlanta series, it comes down to depth and talent across the board. And it feels like uh, Chicago has had points where they've not necessarily appeared to have a lot to play for this year. Uh, I know they've dealt with injuries. They've had a little bit of an inconsistent roster with with that kind of being in flux a little bit. But I'm going to take Toronto in that matchup. And, again, I think uh, coaching also plays a factor into that for me too. Sure, yeah, you've got some – Coaches with final experience and that have won championships. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at that, too, I'm actually going to throw out, I think the best player in that series is Zach Levine. And I I, I think he's kind of an underrated guy. Um, I know maybe not, you know, I like the guys on Toronto, I like the guys in Chicago. I think Zach's a guy, I think if he was in a different market and maybe on a on a more consistent team, he'd get some more national attention. But I'm curious to see how that plays out because I think there's, there's a lot of firepower uh, in those two games. I think Miami and Atlanta, and then Chicago and Toronto could be a shootout between both of them. I think those are, uh, I think those could be the most exciting of the playing games is, is this side of it. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Yeah. Jumping over to the West, uh, there's some interesting matchups, I think, just because one of those games has some pretty big names in it. But looking at these Western Conference games uh, for the play-in here, who, who are you liking on that side? I think the Western Conference might be the funnest side of the bracket through the play-in and even maybe through um, the first and second round, just looking at potential matchups. The 9 and 10 matchup between the Pelicans and the Thunder, I'm going to take the Pelicans. I think they've got the best player, C.J. McCollum. Uh, Brandon Ingram may be the most versatile player, and we can have a conversation about the guys that uh, suit up for OKC because Giddy and SGA are by no means uh, slouches. And they have incredible talent. But I'm going to take the Pelicans in that one. They've got a little bit better record, and I think are just a little bit more consistent in their ability to score um, and their ability to defend the basketball, too. Yeah, I like I like that game a lot because um, I think this is probably the most – maybe the most, like, unsung game. I think a lot of people aren't um, yeah. as into this game as much. I mean, without Williamson, I think – the Pelicans kind of get overlooked, but I think they're a really solid team. Uh, you know, and obviously the other Western Conference game with the, with the Lakers is going to get the more attention in the Western Conference. But looking at this game, as much as it, it, it's hard for me because I like the Pelicans' depth. Um, I like Trey Murphy. He's kind of been a guy that's um, coming to the spotlight this season. Um, Brandon Ingram, I know, has the ability for a big game. But I, I think I'm going to go with the Thunder. Uh, again, not for just the, the sake of argument here, but I have really liked um, SGA's kind of emergence this season. This is the first season he's really got to play a lot since he's left the Clippers. Um, he has these great starts, and OKC shuts him, uh, you know, shuts him down. And since they've kind of made a run, uh, he's really come into the spotlight this season. He's averaging over 30 points a game, and he's not really a guy that is a prolific outside shooter. I mean, he's getting to the paint a lot, taking a lot of mid-range shots, get to the foul line quite a bit. So I'm going with him because I'm expecting a big SGA game, kind of a yeah. coming out party for him on the national stage. Um, I'd really like to see him. I don't know if they'll make anything past the first round, but I think that they're gonna they're gonna take the Pelicans here. I know the depth will be hard to deal with, but I think SGA is having a big game there. That OKC roster is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, whether or not their record indicates the talent on their roster, uh, and then you look at what they could potentially bring in next year through the draft, but also the return of Chet Holmgren. Yeah. You know, looming in there for next year. What does what does OKC look like starting in, in October and November? Uh, they could really be a pretty formidable team in the Western Conference, which is a fairly loaded conference to begin with. But you think about them being a 10 seed, you know, what kind of run can they make? Can they advance in the, in the play in here? And then, you know, the, them setting themselves up for the future also I think is something that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with that. I like to see, I, you know, they have a lot of picks still they're sitting on. Um, I'm hoping to see them maybe make a move and bring somebody in, you know, having Chet come back and see what else they've got because they've got the talent to, to have a really fun and deep team. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious to see what they look like going forward. Uh, in that other game uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, as exciting as Minnesota can be because I really like Anthony Edwards. I think he's a fun, tough player. But uh, I'm going to take the Los Angeles Lakers in that game. I think if everybody's healthy, I think if Anthony Davis is healthy, I think that's just a wrap in that game. Um, I think if he's going to play, I, I don't know if Minnesota can deal with that. Um, and the news today of Rudy Gobert being suspended for this game, um, I don't know if that would have changed it anyway, but I definitely think it changes now them not having Rudy after the sideline incident. 
yesterday. Yeah, I'm going to go Lakers too. I'll piggyback off of your answer there. And basically for the same reasons, uh, the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the Minnesota Timberwolves do not is basically my reasoning there. Um, the addition of D'Angelo Russell has been a game changer for the Lakers. And when they made that trade mid-year, right before the All-Star break, uh, I think I saw a stat with their new players in the lineup. They became the second or third best defense in the league for a period of time. So not only did it change the way they operate offensively, taking the pressure off of LeBron and AD in some instances because you had some guys who could also go get their own, but it changed them defensively. And that was something the Lakers necessarily didn't have early in the season, you know, to have some youth and some guys who were invested in that side of the ball. And like you said, with Gobert being out because he wants to fight his teammates in the middle of a huddle, um, I think that's the Lakers probably run away with that one. Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, I like some of the things Minnesota has. Again, I, I'm a really big Anthony Edwards fan. I think he is uh, a really, really fun player. He's one of my favorite young players to watch. But Los Angeles had added some great pieces. Um, they seem to be kind of on a roll since they have those guys when everyone's back. And when Anthony Davis has played and he's been healthy, he has looked like one of the two or three best players in the league. Yeah. Um, if, if he's healthy for the playoffs, uh, I think that kind of changes the way we look at what the Western Conference is going to, because that's kind of a conference I think that's pretty wide open. So, uh, quick to recap the playing games here: I've got Chicago, Atlanta, OKC, and Los Angeles. Yeah, and I'm taking Toronto, Miami, the Lakers, and the Pelicans. All right, now when we when we jump into those first round matchups, um, there's some really interesting matchups, and I think this is probably one of the most wide open playoffs in kind of maybe not just recent history, but in quite some time. I don't think there's somebody that I just look at and I think they're just the odds on favorite. Right. Because there have been so many people that have been kind of in that spot all year. Um, but to to quickly stay in the in the West, as we're looking at these teams, uh, at that first round matchup, um, with all these teams here, who who are you looking at in these first rounds that you can see moving on in, into the uh, into the Western semifinals. Well, you've got Denver against the, the winner of one of the playing games. So you're looking at, gosh, probably the Pelicans. For me, the Pelicans playing the Timberwolves for the right to then go play Denver. Um, Denver's should walk through that first round series. Yeah. Looking at Phoenix and the Clippers, I, you could probably flip a coin and pick the winner as frequently as you, as you flip the coin. You can go with the odds there. Right. Uh, I'm going to take the Clippers. I think they're a little bit healthier. Um, I like for as frustrating as he can be to watch, I do like the idea of the Clippers having Westbrook in the playoffs. Uh, Kawhi, I think, is a different player this time of year. You know, And we can probably have a conversation about load management and stuff in a different episode. But if Kawhi's healthy, if, if he's engaged, if Paul George can stay healthy, if he's engaged, if Westbrook doesn't shoot them out of the series, um, I, do like, I do like what the Clippers have there, and I don't trust Phoenix right now. Uh, there's a lot of questions with Durant and his health. They invested a whole lot in getting him to Phoenix, so their depth is not nearly what it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, I still think it feels like they're learning to acclimate themselves to play with Durant because they've not really had a chance to. Uh, yeah. you know. So if, if he's full go for this series, does it take two or three games for Phoenix to get comfortable? And by that point, have you managed to win a game or two? Or is, is L.A. in a situation where they can come in after the first two or three games and be comfortable – and get out of there with a five or six game series and move on to the next round. Yeah, I mean, when we look at these, you know, one and two seeds here, I'm taking Denver to move on from that play-in. You know, the Los Angeles matchup with Memphis is interesting depending on health. Um, That one's tough. Memphis Memphis is interesting because, you know, you're not sure what it's going to look like with that group. Um, I think... I think that they have the ability to move on there, but I think the Lakers will be sneaky in that in that uh, in that combo in the in the second and seventh seed one. To comment on your um, 
Clippers and, and Suns matchup. I'm not sure either. It's it, it's two teams that don't have a ton of time playing together in the playoffs, and the Clippers have shown that that doesn't really work when you don't have that continuity. Um, I'm probably going to go with the Clippers in that one too. It's hard to pick against that lineup because when the Suns have been together, they look really, really tough. Correct. Yeah, you're not wrong. But, you know, I just don't know what that's going to look like come playoff time. Um, I'm really, really interested to see. Uh, I think that's going to be a game by committee there. I think that's going to be, you know, what does your depth look like? What what do we look like in the role players? Because I think head-to-head, if everyone's healthy, Durant and Booker may be able to take it to the Clippers. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to go with um, the Clippers in that one as well. I think if everybody's there, it should be should be pretty interesting. Um, in the the game that I think that's really intriguing to me, or the series rather, is the Kings and the Warriors. Um, and I know we were talking about this before we got on here. This looks like could be one of the one of the more interesting matchups, just because we have an inexperienced Kings team that have been incredibly fun to watch. They kind of give you a little bit of the Warriors vibes from a couple of years ago yeah. in the way they move and shoot and score. But you have a veteran-savvy Warriors team that's kind of had an up-and-down season. Um, yeah. You know, I look at this. I think the Warriors can be really, really fun in this. I think the Kings can be really fun in this. Uh, I think there's a, it comes down to key players. And for the Kings, I think if the Kings are to move on, I think Sabonis is a key, but I think Fox has to show that he can perform there. Um, he's been one of the best clutch players in the NBA this season. I think when you look at clutch stats, he's been one of the top two or three guys. Um but I think Sabonis has got to be a guy that really carries them. I think we have yep. to see him be a guy that, that leads them. Uh, the reason I think the Warriors could come out of it is the Warriors know how to win in the playoffs, obviously. And they have a much more um, – they have a better understanding of defense in the playoffs. But the Kings have won because they can score. And not to take away from them because they've been the number one offense in the league. But I think – the Warriors are savvy and they can defend. Um, I, I think the I'm gonna get the pick. I think the Kings will come out of it. I think I, I'm picking the Kings for that matchup. <laughs> okay, Cam but, taking the flyer. But uh, I think the the reason Sacramento would lose would be because Golden State will know how to defend at that level. Right. I look at this one, <clears throat> and it's just it's tough for me to to go against the team that has the best players in the series. That's got to be Steph and Clay. Their ability to shoot the basketball, move without the basketball, and the things that they can do on the offensive end of the floor. To me, I'm going to pick Golden State just based on, I think, where we're currently at. I think Sacramento has to go and beat them. Yeah. Right? Golden State's not going to beat themselves. If they've got all their horses and they're all ready to go, they're healthy or at least 90% healthy – and they've got their guys in a situation where they're good to go for the playoffs. I don't think you can necessarily bet against Golden State. I know Sacramento has the better overall record, but like you noted, you know, Golden State went through their again, kind of their roller coaster ride this year too with injuries, having guys out, having to sit guys, rest them. Uh, it looks like Clay Thompson is back to being not a shell of himself. Clay Thompson looked like looks like he's back to being Clay Thompson again. Yes, he um, does. Steph, the last couple of weeks, has really kind of started to turn things around. Draymond is Draymond. This series may may come down to can Sacramento's front court balance out and counteract Golden State's backcourt. Now, the difference is there, Golden State has two of the greatest shooters of all time, so threes are obviously worth more than two. Uh, And then I think you look at Jordan Poole maybe being a guy who – could swing this series one way or the other. You know De'Aaron Fox is going to show up. Uh, You know Harrison Barnes there for Sacramento is going to have a little bit of retribution and want to prove himself against his former team. And I think Sabonis is a guy, too, that's not really gotten this opportunity uh, to play in this type of situation. You know, they had a little bit of success in Indy. You know, he kind of became a triple-double machine for the Pacers. I hated to see him leave Indianapolis. Um, and I think he didn't – I don't think he wanted to leave Indy either. I think he liked playing where he was playing. Uh, but to see him in Sacramento getting the the accolades that he deserves by being an all-star uh, and now in a situation to, to make a playoff run and really kind of be the surprise team in the NBA. 
they this are year. 100% uh, surprise team. Really, to, to be the surprise team in the league this year, I would love to see them compete. I'd love to see them come out of the series. Uh, but I am not in a place where I'm willing to to go against Golden State until somebody knocks them off. Yeah, I would, I would agree. With that. I, I agree with that, and it's why it's hard to pick against them. I think I'm picking more on a I would like to see them come out, but yeah. I think what's fun about – What's fun about this team is I think they may. Do you remember that We Believe Warriors team that knocked off the Mavericks? Yeah. Like years and years ago when like Dallas was number one seed and, and you know, uh, Golden State was, you know, uh, I think the, the eighth seed at the time. But I think the, there may be enough toughness with Sabonis and em- enough youth and inexperience with the Kings to not quite know where they're at and just play out of their minds. <laughs> like I kind of have this like they have nobody that's really been in the playoffs with the exception of Harrison Barnes, who's a former warrior. So they've got a couple guys out there that have some experience, but I think enough youth and just kind of, they've got kind of their mojo going that I think that they could make a run just out of the fact that they, they're just pumped to be there and they're, and they're playing out of their minds. I mean, they have been the most fun team to watch. Sabonis looks Jokic-esque. Uh, Fox has really come out and been one of the best guards in the league. Uh, I'm going with them strictly for that, but Golden State is hard to pick, pick against because – They've done it so many times. Yeah, I, I'm, I like your point. Ignorance is bliss sometimes. Bit, yeah. And, you know, to have youth on their side, you know, De'Aaron Fox is not in a situation where he's going to get too tired in yeah. at this juncture in his career. So uh, maybe, the, maybe the moment won't necessarily set in, you know, once they're in it. Uh, yeah. The one thing I do enjoy, though, man, with the Golden State Warriors, there's something about this team – and we can talk about any great all-time player that the difference in when the playoffs start and the laser focus that those guys get, there's such a difference in how Steph Curry looks and Klay Thompson looks on the court once the playoffs start because I think they're very mission-driven. And they've got a little bit of something to prove, too, in their own right. Now, they've got four titles, understood, um, and as far as that goes, they really don't have, you know, they don't have to prove anything to anybody, but I think there's something they need to prove to themselves a little bit here uh, in the fact that they are still an elite team in the NBA because I think a lot of people wrote them off this year just with their up-and-down pattern throughout the season. So there was a lot of discussion about a lot of other teams and a lot of other guys, and they were able to just kind of float a little bit below the radar this year, so I think they're probably on a little bit of a mission to wake some people up. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that, and they're going to be hard to pick against. And if they come out of that first round handedly, uh, it looks like they can make another run. Um, looking at the Western Conference, just um, as a whole, uh, who do you have coming out of the whole thing on the West? Well, we would look at that two-seven matchup to me at the bottom there, which would be potentially Memphis and the Lakers. With the, I don't. It depends on how laser focused the Grizzlies can be. I like the Lakers coming out of that one. Like you said, um, Anthony Davis has looked like a top five player in the league the last couple of weeks, and that's what he should be looking like uh, when when he's healthy and isn't having to deal with nagging injuries and lingering injuries. When he's a full go, the Lakers are going to be very tough to beat. So I look at. Uh, probably matchups with Denver, the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Lakers in the second round. I think I've probably just got to ride with the one seed coming out of the West. I really like Denver and what they're able to do. Uh, the way they use their offense, they space the floor. Jokic is a point center, um, something that we really haven't seen before. And just the way that the offense runs with their squad and the way it runs through him really uh, – I think that the Denver probably goes as he goes. You know, we can talk about Jamal Murray. We can talk about Michael Porter Jr. Uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, and some of those guys. They've got phenomenal role players. And it, they just feel like a team to me that has been on the cusp the last few years. If Jamal Murray doesn't get hurt in the bubble down there in Orlando, you're looking at maybe a situation where they knock off the Lakers and maybe the Nuggets get a title that year. Uh, yeah. So I think this has been something that's been a few years coming for Denver because they've been so close. And now with Murray back at full strength, uh, for me, I've got to look at Denver coming out of the West. 
So I agree with you. I think I think the West is strictly matchup based. I don't think there's a team that's going to roll through. Um, I'm curious to see how Denver would match up with the Phoenix crew and the Clippers crew, and then the other side. Um, it, it's just youth versus experience on that that Kings Warriors Lakers Memphis side yep. of the bracket, and so. Uh, I'm excited to see how that works, what that matchup will there be veteran savvy stuff with the Warriors and the Lakers that get them through. But I'm going to go with Denver too because I just I think it's their year. I think um, history has told us that the best players get through the playoffs. I mean, and Jokic has been the best player in the Western Conference this year. Um, You know, possibly getting his third straight MVP. I know there's some Embiid debate and some Giannis debate, and those three guys are all deserving. Um, I definitely think that I want to go with Denver because I think that they. I think they have to. I think they, they're the team that has the most to prove in the playoffs this year. I really do. Um, Jokic has something to prove and that, yes, he is a tremendous regular season player. He is quickly climbing up the ranks of one of my favorite players that I've ever watched. He is so much fun. and He does so many different things well. Um, I think Jamal Murray being healthy, I think he missed so much time. I think he and Jokic as a duo have a ton to prove. I like Denver coming out of the West just because of that. I think they have enough experience now they have the grit i think i'm hoping to see them play with a chip on their shoulder but uh, i really like to see denver come out i think it can be denver um the west to me is the hardest to pick one i'm gonna ride on denver for now because uh, i think that they're the team that has them to prove and if they don't want it this year it looks like that they're just not that group yeah i think like you said with Jokic, there's certainly there's certainly a need to validate what is potentially three straight mvps because it's one thing to, to give that award based on just absolutely absurd stats from a center, which he has done without question the last two years. But to, to justify what looks like him being a favorite to win a third in a row, which would be the first time since Larry Bird, you have to put some legitimate playoff success with your name uh, to, to legitimize that award and to keep conversation quiet about who these other guys are that may or may not have deserved it also. Um, Because then if you look at on the Eastern Conference side, if Embiid or Giannis, if one of those guys makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals, which I think you and I are going to get into in a second, uh, then you start to have some some people really start to chirp about a third straight when you didn't get your team to to the promised land. Yeah, I agree. I think he's the guy that really needs to show something. And I want to see – I mean, he's been – you know, the two big guys on the, in the West and the East have been my favorite with him, yeah. Eden Jokic, and it's been fun to watch. You know, there's a lot of people who are arguing this guy and this guy. To me, it's – I'm happy to see either one because they've just been my favorites to watch the past, yeah. few, the past few seasons. Um, Jokic, I want to see him make that run. I think if he gets to the finals, even if they don't win, I think that really validates something, even if he gets there. Yeah, I do um, too. I agree. I think if he carries them through this open Western conference, that really, really shows something, but I'm going to go with Denver like you um, a little bit, just because I, I really want to see it happen. And I think that they have to, I think they really have to, or something, something has to happen. They have to make a move, bring somebody in, but um, defensively, I think that will be the biggest question. Can they protect the rim? Yeah. Um, And do they have the depth, but uh, I'm I'm excited to see them and I hope they can make the run. Yeah, Uh, for sure. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the Eastern Conference and our potential playoff dark horses. All right, guys. Here we go, Cam. Let's go Eastern Conference here, bud. Sounds good. Um, So when I'm looking at the Eastern Conference, uh, and we talk about our play-in games, the first round for the East, I think, is a little more exciting for the West than that. I, I think it is as wide open, but I think there are some young teams with things to prove, and I think that there are three teams in the Eastern Conference that are absolutely championship or bust this season, okay. uh, with Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia. Those three teams, if they're not getting in the finals this year, th- like there is no, they're not happy to be there anymore. Uh, right. Beaten Harden have to get there. Uh, the Celtics need to prove that they can repeat, and I think Giannis, in all honesty, is like we talked about with Jokic uh, a minute ago. Giannis has that same thing, and I think it's because he's been overlooked by the Embiid and Jokic debate, and Giannis, yeah. has, Giannis has been up there as maybe still the best player in the league. I think if there's a draft of NBA players, I think people are taking Giannis' first pick, and I, I think there's not many that are going with anybody else at this point. I think right. he's, 
I know that Jokic has been great. I know that Embiid's been great, and those two guys have been my favorite players to watch. But uh, Giannis, I think right now is is the best player in basketball, and those three teams are championship robust. I think that's what makes the Eastern Conference more fun. Uh, looking at that, those first round matchups, I think I think Milwaukee gets through the through their matchup, and I think yeah. Boston gets through that matchup. But looking at the third round, the um, I'm sorry, the third seed. And we talked about Philly being championship robust. That Philly Brooklyn matchup to me is really, really interesting. And I know you you have some Brooklyn thoughts, but uh, I think Philadelphia will come out of that one. I don't think it will be as easy as what people think. Um, I think Embiid is definitely going to be on a mission. But I like the look of this Brooklyn team and where they're headed. Yeah, um, you know, I would I would piggyback off of your same thing. We'll get into the four and five game here in just a second. Uh, I think Milwaukee probably cakewalks through. Their first round series, not to take anything away from the teams that they'll be playing, but they're just head and shoulders better. Um, I think you can pretty well chalk up Milwaukee and Boston advancing, and more than likely can probably chalk up Philly getting through the first round also. But God, I love that Brooklyn team. Um, I do too. With, I really do. With where they started the year, and you and I have exchanged a bunch of stats and things like that, and we can probably do an episode talking about the. Yeah. Epic, colossal failure and meltdown that was the Brooklyn Nets between the last two or three years. And then the resurgence of the Brooklyn Nets all within a matter of about two months. But I love the way that team plays. They don't have a quote-unquote superstar. You know, all those guys wanted to move on to different places and wanted out of the organization but what they were able to bring back and the pieces that they got for the guys that they dealt uh, felt very reminiscent of what Boston got from Brooklyn when they dealt Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Like, I know Boston stockpiled draft picks, but what new, what, I want to say New Jersey because that's where I associate them with, but what Brooklyn got back from. Um, we'll talk about the New Jersey Nets later and how loaded they used to be too. Uh, yeah, that was one of my favorites. But what Brooklyn got for Durant, for Kyrie, and for James Harden, and I know Ben Simmons is a whole different case also, but the pieces, <laughs> the pieces that they got for Durant and Kyrie uh, are just absolutely absurd to me in how successful get those guys have been in Brooklyn and in a Nets uniform, uh, they've just got guys that care about the game. They've got guys that love the game. They show up every single night. Um, there's never a question about you know their roster being in flux or load management or guys sitting out. This Brooklyn team just goes and plays basketball. They've got a good mix of talent. They've got guys that can put the ball in the hole. They have guys that care about defense. And it looks like they're a team that legitimately has fun playing together. Now, I don't know they have the firepower to go out and beat Philly in a seven-game series, but I'm very interested to see how competitive they can be and then postseason what moves they make to improve their franchise. I agree. I I think Brooklyn's really fun because they do have a bunch of guys that come on play every night. I think some of these younger coaches that are getting in are very, very creative. I think Jacques Vaughn is very creative. He took over a terrible situation, and he's made it look, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, that that whole franchise looked like it was going to crash and burn, and then, you know, that looked like it was going to be um, a complete and total rebuild. And I think if they bring somebody in free agency or make an interesting trade, that that team could be right at the top of the Eastern Conference. They have a lot of pieces, and Mikhail Bridges has, has looked like a superstar since he's been there. Yeah. You were talking about guys coming out and playing every night. I saw the stat, and I sent it to you. <laughs> He has not missed a game in high school, college, or the NBA in his entire career. He has never missed a game. That is unbelievable in an era where guys are sitting out. Mikhail plays every game, and I think that's that's phenomenal. And he um, played in eighty three games this season. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been in he's been in, involved in every game, and uh, I I think that I don't know if he is a superstar. I don't know if he's going to be their guy that can lead them to a championship. But if he's like your two, like your second guy. Um, which I think they were probably looking to, to maybe bring somebody in. They're they're going to be loaded. I mean, yeah. they're a super fun team, loaded with wings, loaded with shooting. 
um, a lot of uh, defensive creativity you could have there. I am still going to take Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, me too. He's going to been my guy for the past couple of years. Um, kind of his story has been so interesting to me. Uh, I don't know if they can make it to the finals because I, I don't know if they have the depth to beat someone like Milwaukee. Uh, my pick in terms of if I'm just going a pure favorite hope it happens pick, it's it's Embiid winning the championship this year and taking them all the way. He has been one of my favorite players uh, that I've ever watched, and I've really enjoyed following his career. I think they go through the first round, um, and I think that they give Boston some trouble. Boston, to me, is they have they have the power to run through the East. Like they have the lineup that it looks like if yeah. they if they ran through it, and made it to the finals, no one's surprised. Right. Um, their new coach is interesting. He looked like he was going to be the guy, um, and then they had a really uh, a real low point there later in the year, um, where it looked like they were going to kind of fall off. Um, I, I I don't know who I will take in that. Uh, in that second round matchup with, with Boston and Philadelphia, who I would assume would get into that second round. But um, Boston is interesting because to me, I think they could fall apart. They have that look like, I'm not sure what their coach will do. Um, he he kind of looked like he, yeah, coach Missoula, uh, he kind of looked like he was struggling there for a little bit there late in the season. I think he wasn't quite adjusting. He was blowing a lot of leads. He actually had a really, um, really interesting game that I watched on TV when they played Brooklyn and had a really big lead and, and blew one late there. Um, and so they've had some games where the, the wheels have kind of fallen off, and I'm, I'm curious to see if he's going to hit some speed bumps in the playoffs. Um, looking at the top of that bracket, um, Milwaukee, I think, walks through there like you were saying as well. Um, did you have anything to say about Philadelphia? I said they're going to pipe up there. Oh, you're fine. Um, I think in that, that two-seed, three-seed potential second round matchup with Boston and Philly. I think they're both, both of those franchises are sort of at points of no return. Kind of like you said, where it's, it's NBA finals or bust for them. And to me, if you're Philly and you lose to Boston in the second round, I think they have to look at making potential wholesale changes and seeing and really evaluating their roster and their talent. I think Boston's in the same boat. I think if they end up, um, either losing to Philly or losing in the conference finals, I think they're in a real situation where they have to make some hard decisions about coach, roster, uh, your stars on that team. And both of those organizations have had rumblings of guys, are they happy, are they not happy, do they want a bigger contract, do they want to move on, do they want to go get their own role somewhere um, and kind of be the focal point of their own team. So the offseason for those, for those organizations is going to be interesting. Uh, I would take Boston just on paper, yeah. top to bottom with depth. Uh, I think I would lean with the advantage to Philly as far as coaching, but I think Boston's a little bit more difficult to defend. But I'm with you. I think Milwaukee probably comes out of the East. Yeah, I I want to say I'd give Doc the benefit of the doubt there, but Doc sometimes proves he, he struggles to, to win a playoff series. <laughs> Uh, that one I think is the most interesting matchup. Boston and Philly in the second round is going to be super interesting. The the matchup that I think is going to be one of the most fun, but it's not going to be uh, given the attention uh, as much attention as the other ones is Cleveland and New York. Yeah, I love both of these teams. I think New York is this really interesting like assembly of players. They don't quite have a guy you would consider a superstar. They have guys that you could see as like the number two player on a team. Like Randall seems like he would be a great, you know, kind of Robin to somebody's Batman. Or Jalen Brunson was that last year to Luca, and you kind of have this, this just a group of all of these what you would think to be sidekicks to NBA superstars, and and they've been a really fun team. Um, I think they're just tough. I think Coach Thibodeau kind of has that. They kind of have that that grit that a lot of Knicks teams have, and I'm excited because I think basketball is better when the Knicks are good. I want to see some superstars in New York. I'd like to see them make a great playoff run. Yep. Um, so I think they'll be fun to watch in the playoffs. Uh, that being said, I don't think they beat Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland, um, as much as I just kind of hyped the Knicks there, uh, I'm going to pull the rug out from under them. Uh, I, I, I like Cleveland in that matchup. I actually really like Cleveland in this entire Eastern Conference um, playoff setup here. Cleveland's really, really fun. And they're very young like we talked about earlier with Sacramento, Sacramento, I kind of, you know, we talked about almost the ignorance is bliss with them. Will they be so, you know, 
you know, so full of firepower and so fast that, that they may make a run just because, you know, they, they don't feel the moment. I think Cleveland is a mature team for being right. very young. Jarrett Allen has experience. Um, Evan Mobley doesn't play like a player that's young. He plays like a player that's been there. Um, he gives me a lot of, and not, not comparing skill and career-wise, but he gives me a lot of Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett vibes. He plays like that. He takes a backseat offensively where maybe he could carry some of that load, but he doesn't play that way necessarily. Um, he is a defensive anchor. Um, and then they have a backcourt that I think is, for being so young, very mature and fun to watch. Garland and Mitchell are one of the best backcourts in the NBA, and I think they're going to be one of the best for the next several years. Donovan yeah. Mitchell has been a flat-out superstar this year. I think he's a guy that, you know, Utah, when they were there, didn't have the playoff success. And it got overshadowed by those Denver Nuggets teams in the bubble because um, they blew the 3-1 lead there to Denver. But Donovan Mitchell was going toe-to-toe with Jamal Murray, who put on a show there too. Yep. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell is a playoff player, and I think we're going to see that. And I think they're an exciting team in the East because they have a young team, a lot of depth, um, a very diverse team, a, a maturity to a team that's young. And I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be – the guy people are talking about in this playoffs. Yeah, I think Garland is an absolute dude um, yeah. on that team. And looking at Mitchell, to, to go off of our conversation with Jokic about having something to prove, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell, as much as anybody, has a reason to come out and absolutely just go gangbusters in the playoffs here um, yeah. to really, you know, to validate so many performances in the regular season – uh, you know, he's got a massive incentive to come out and have a phenomenal playoffs, whether it be for one series, whether it be for two series. I mean, gosh, if they knock off Milwaukee in the second round, which wouldn't be unfathomable to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got also certainly some added motivation to come in and say, this season was not a fluke. I am this good. Um, and I this is why I deserve to be making the money I'm making. This is why I deserve to be put on – you know, the, the, the all-star teams and have all the accolation, you know, all the accolades. I think he's got a lot to play for also. Um, I agree. I think uh, he doesn't quite have the, like, the sense of urgency like Embiid and Jokic might have. But I think he is validating. I think this is a validating playoffs with him as being a superstar, and I think that he's going to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, if they get knocked off by Milwaukee, I don't think it hurts the conversation about Donovan Mitchell. I don't think people, you know, dismiss him because he lost to a powerhouse Milwaukee. No, team. they're not expected to win that matchup. No, but if they go toe to toe, I think there's conversations of Donovan Mitchell being one of the maybe the best two guard in the, in the game at this point. And I think that I think that he should be in that conversation because he proved that during the regular season. Um, that, that he's in that conversation of one of those best guys. Um, in the Eastern Conference, looking as we're talking about those and the potential second round, do you have a team that you see um, that that's your pick to come out of the East? Yeah, I think it comes down to, um, to me, I have you know Milwaukee and Boston in the conference finals, not to just go straight chalk on this one, right. but I think it's Milwaukee and Boston. Um, and I would – Gosh, I hate to have to have to pick one of those, um, but more than likely, I, th- I think earlier I said Milwaukee. I'm going to stick with it. I th- would they have Giannis and Boston doesn't? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, looking at what's coming out of the East, I, I agree that it's Milwaukee. Um, this isn't my dark horse pick necessarily, but I I may quickly change my pick seeing what Embiid looks like in the Boston series. I think. If he comes out and they have not had playoff success against Boston um, as a team, and that you know that was in a, a Ben Simmons era, but um, I think I'm going with Milwaukee. I think they have Giannis. I think Giannis has something to prove. I think he feels like he's being looked over by some of these other MVP candidates. Yeah, but uh, I'm definitely going Milwaukee. But I, Boston and Philly are really interesting to me. I think I want to see what they look like together before I see them against yep. Milwaukee. But I think Giannis is on a mission, and I think I think the Bucks are headed. I think the Bucks are headed to the finals. Yeah, my dark horse picks I would go with out of the East. My dark horse is Philly, and I don't know that you could really call them a dark horse. 
but as far as looking at Milwaukee and Boston being the proverbial favorites and probably head and shoulders favorites, uh, Philly would be my dark horse in the East, and the Lakers are my dark horse in the West. You just, regardless of how many years LeBron James has played, yeah. if he's on the court and he's healthy and he's engaged, hopefully he's on a mission for the Lakers this this postseason. And if he's good to go, and if Anthony Davis is good to go with a D'Angelo Russell who can take some of the load off of them, and if he can – if Russell can be a 15 to 16 point a game score in the playoffs, they're easily um, in the conversation. So I would go Dark Horse Philly, East, Dark Horse Lakers in the West. Yeah, so if I'm looking at my Dark Horse pick, um, in the West – it's hard for me to pick a dark horse because I don't have a clear like favorite looking at them. I think it's yeah. wide open. Um, I think the sneaky team in the West, um, honestly, um, it, like you said, I, I do like Los Angeles, but I think Phoenix is sneaky. I think that team, if they look like they're together, uh, could run away with it because I don't know if there's a team in the West right now that, that everyone is just looking at they're the best one. Uh, Phoenix is definitely, I think, going to be sneaky. Uh, if everybody's there and everybody's healthy. But I think my dark horse for the entire playoffs, and I, I spend a minute on them, uh, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I think if this was a different look, I think if you put them in the West, I think they may be my favorite to come out of the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, I think there's just a couple teams in the East that, if I'm being honest, I think the reason that I'm leery about picking them to go farther is just because their second-round matchup is Milwaukee. Yeah. I think if they matched up with Boston, I might be taking them over Boston um, because – I think they have that depth. I think they look like they've got the grit. I don't. I know maybe Boston will look that way once they get in there, but there's something about Cleveland that I think is. I think they're a special team, and I think if that group stays together, they're going to be a really good team for years to come. Um, they're my dark horse pick. They have the. They are the number one um, team in terms of defensive rating this year. Okay. They're allowing the fewest points per hundred possessions. Um, they've got two serious rim protectors. And I think, you know, we were talking about the Kings earlier. That's a great offense. That doesn't necessarily always translate to the playoffs because there aren't that many possessions in a playoff game. It's played a little bit slower. I think Cleveland has that style and they can do that. They've got bigs. They've got guys that are going to keep people out of the paint. Um, what that looks like against Giannis, I don't know. I'm excited to see it, um, how they're going to keep him from getting in there. They've got two kind of twin towers um, with Mobley and, and Jared Allen. Um, and then Milwaukee kind of has the same thing with Giannis and Lopez. Uh, I think that's an interesting matchup of, of bigs, and there haven't really been, I think, uh, a matchup of bigs like that in the playoffs in quite some time. Cleveland's my dark horse because I think that they've got enough youth and experience as well as just maturity, like I said earlier. I think their defense is going to translate. I think we're going to see um, them be creative, and I think Donovan Mitchell is going to step up. And I I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a run, but I think they're just running into the team that, that maybe nobody can beat this year. Right. Um, my, my finals matchup, uh, I don't want to just go, go chalk. Like you're saying, <laughs> I think it's Milwaukee and I think it's Denver. Um, it's hard for me to pick Denver because the West is so wide open. I, I want to see it be Denver. Um, I don't necessarily think this is how it's, it's going to go because I think we're going to be surprised. I think the West, especially we're going to be surprised. Um, those two number one seeds to me, I think wouldn't shock me, but I wouldn't be shocked to see, um, somebody else come out in the West, but I, I think Milwaukee is makes that out of the East. And I think Milwaukee is the NBA champion this year. I can't argue with a single word you just said. I think Milwaukee out of the East um, is the team that probably makes it to the NBA finals. The one thing that scares me with Milwaukee having to go to the finals and play a team out of the West is how well does Milwaukee shoot the ball in a seven game series against these teams from the West? Because looking down the roster, if you look at Denver, They've got guys who can fill it up. If you look at potentially, you know, a Phoenix team, if they get hot and if they're healthy, they've got guys who can fill it up. Golden State, that goes without saying. Uh, and even looking at at the Lakers, you know, they've got guys, they've brought in guys that can stretch the floor. So I'll be curious to see how, how the shooters and guys like, you know, Grayson Allen, Chris Middleton, uh, Drew Holiday, how are they able to stack up against these guards from the Western Conference when it comes time to, you know, put a seven-game stretch together and be better for four games? Um, can they shoot it well enough from the three-point line to make themselves not only competitive but to win the title? Um, I look at um, 
I look at Denver. I'm with you. I think it's a Milwaukee. Denver, they have to be easily the two favorites. Um, but again, I you know that Golden State team is is lurking right there. And if the Lakers are healthy, I think they're formidable. Uh, in a Milwaukee Denver matchup, I'm going to take the Nuggets to oh, okay. win. I'm going to take the Nuggets to win the championship. Uh, I think Embiid is able to neutralize Giannis. I don't know that he's to say neutralize. I don't mean shut Giannis down by any means. That's not what I'm trying to get at because uh, Giannis is probably going to go for 30 and 10 and you know six in the, right. in the in the finals against them. But I think statistically they balance each other out. And I like the rest of Denver's roster to play better than the rest of Milwaukee's. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, you're looking at that. I like you saying that that, that Jokic kind of neutralizes um, what Giannis does statistically. That'll be interesting to see that matchup. I think, um, yeah, yeah, not necessarily defensively, but but you're right there. They they may be giving what's, what's equal there. I think what Giannis can bring defensively may change. And Jokic is, Jokic is my favorite player in the league, and it's hard to pick against him, but... Um, I, I like what you're saying there, too. I think maybe the offensive firepower around Jokic. Typically what teams do is, against Denver, if you're if you're double-teaming Jokic, if you're trying to get the ball out of his hands, that's what he wants, and the rest of the right. team just beats off of it. Um, if they have Lopez on Jokic, and they're not trying to double-team, and he's creating a little more for himself, I think that could really hurt them. I think that's what I anticipate. I think Milwaukee's... Guys can guard one on one everybody that Denver has, but I think if there is a mentality of we're going to try and get rid of Jokic, that's what he wants, and he's going to pass it around. Yeah. So I'm taking I'm take, taking Milwaukee Milwaukee solely on um, if that's the finals matchup, they can guard guys one through five without helping. Um, but like you're saying too, if if that's not the case, if they've got to go and 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 help on Jokic or help on somebody else, I yeah. think the offensive firepower that Denver has throughout the roster is better, but I'm going Milwaukee for that reason, but um, it's definitely going to be very interesting. I'm very excited about it. I will not be surprised by any finals matchup. I legitimately, I mean, unless Shea Gilgis Alexander carries <laughs> OKC Thunder all the way to the finals, uh, and it's a Trey Young SGA matchup, I think, <laughs> I think that there's not really a lot of, um, a lot of surprises coming. I think everything's on the table for this one. Yeah. I think it's going to be an incredibly fun playoffs to watch just based on the matchups that we're going to see. But I'm with you. I don't think that there's necessarily – in the the West is so wide open, I'm not sure anything is an upset. Uh, yeah. But I don't think there's anything crazy that happens that just surprises us either. Yeah. So I agree. We've got a lot to look forward to for sure. Thanks for joining us um, on our quick hitter. Um, this edition of the Picket Fence Podcast – uh, we're really excited to watch the NBA playoffs coming up. We hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media at PicketFence underscore pod on Twitter and the PicketFence podcast on Instagram. Thanks for joining us on this one. And as always, don't get caught, get caught watching, watching the paint dry. Watching.